Chair, staff is ready when you are. Okay. Good evening. Welcome to the Monday, September 26, 2022 meeting of the Sacramento Ethics Commission. We, I am calling the meeting to order at 5.32 p.m. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Commissioner Adams? Present. Commissioner Gomez? Here. Commissioner Velasquez? Here. Vice Chair Ng? Present. And Chair Underwood? Present. This meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to adjoin, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair, when I confirm the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click on raise hand on your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. And on telephone, to raise your hand, dial star nine. Then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Telephone speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. I want to apologize for the fact that we are holding this meeting on Rosh Hashanah. We did try to change the date, but we couldn't find another date that worked. And I didn't want to cancel the meeting and wait until next month, especially since we didn't have a meeting in August. To all who celebrate, whether you are watching now or seeing the recording later, I want to wish you a sweet new year. Shana Tova. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Our first business today is a consent calendar. As you know, the consent calendar consists of the minutes of the last meeting, the complaint log, and the follow-up log. So, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Chair, I have no hands raised to make comment on the consent calendar. Okay. Before I ask if there are other commissioners who wish to speak on this item, I want to refer to something that's on the complaint log. I see that a complaint was filed against council member Katie Valenzuela on August 30th, alleging that her position as a registered lobbyist for her business, Valenzuela Consulting, is a conflict with some of her duties as a council member. Um, this complaint was referred to the independent evaluator on September 9th. So I would like to know, um, what the status of that is and what the timetable is for the independent evaluator to report back to us. Thank you for your question, Chair. Um, as your procedures outline, the independent evaluator has 45 days to respond. Um, and so that would be October 24th. Okay, so has he, he's um, indicated that he received the complaint and that he's taking action on it? That's accurate, I did confirm receipt. Okay, great. Um, does anybody, any other commissioners um, have anything they want to say on about the consent calendar? Oh, Gary Lindsay has something. 
Yes. Yes, uh, Gary Lindsay, Commission Council. I just wanted to address the outstanding matter of subpoena authority, that which is on item three, which is the um, the follow-up log. I just wanted to mention that subpoena authority rests within the city council. It's not inherent to any given board or commission. In the creation of this commission, the city council did not delegate such authority to the commission. Uh, so presently, the commission does not have such authority, but that does not mean that it's impossible for the commission to have such authority. It could, in theory, at any time in the future, if the council so wished, does it be necessary to delegate such authority to the commission? Um, and also, if the commission itself were to um, determine that it's a an authority that the commission believes that it um, seeks or should have, it could make such a recommendation to the city council. There's annual recommendations by the commission, but annual is not, it's not only annual as far as the recommendation, that's the minimum recommendations, the occurrence of recommendations from the uh, commission. So you could at some other date, not just the annual recommendation, if uh, a majority, for instance, of the commission thought it was, uh, should be done to make such a recommendation to the city council. Well, on the annual reports that we have submitted, we have requested subpoena authority, and I don't think the city council has ever even looked at that issue. Commissioner Adams. You beat me to it. That's exactly why I raised <laughs> my hand. And I know that there were conversations in previous meetings about you know, if there was opportunities to sort of have a more active role in ensuring the city council reads our, our annual report so that we can highlight that issue. Um, but yes, uh, Chair, you, you captured what I was going to say. Okay, does um, anybody else have anything, any other commissioner wanna speak on anything on the consent calendar? Apparently not. All right, is there a motion and a second for the consent calendar? A motion. Okay, Commissioner Ng moves. I'll second. Commissioner Adams seconds. Oh, well, the Commissioner Gomez. Oh, do you have something, Commissioner Gomez? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, no, I was just saying that Commissioner Gomez seconded that. You said it was Commissioner Adams, so I was just. Okay, I thought I saw Commissioner Adams do it, but my screen is small, so I apologize. All good. <laughs> it was Commissioner Gomez. Madam Clerk, please make a note of that. All right, so will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Gomez? Yes. Commissioner Ng? Yes. Commissioner Velasquez? And Chair Underwood. Yes. Commissioner Velasquez, I don't know if there's anything you can do about your sound um, because it's a little bit hard to hear you. I realize all you said was yes, but, <laughs> but if you're going to be speaking, it would be great. If... So I'll be settled in about six minutes. Okay, great. Okay. So we'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. And item four is the lobbyist registration and reporting code ad hoc committee update. Um, so I assume we should start with a report from the ad hoc committee. 
So I have it, Commissioner Ng, and I have share screen possibilities, oh, okay. so I can uh, bring it up uh, if yeah, that works. Uh, yes. Maybe we can that kick work, off and then we'll just start. with some introductions of the committee. That'd be great. Okay, sure. let me pull it up. Just give me a second. Great. Well, thank you, Commissioners. Um, due to a combination of open positions and the Commission in COVID during past year, the Commission did not have the capacity to review this uh, lobbying argument until now. Today, Commissioner Gomez and I and other community members at large are here to present a city lobbying uh, ordinance its findings and recommendations. Next slide, please. Now in 2003, the city of Sacramento adopted the lobbying ordinance to provide more transparency of interest group attempting to influence public policy. You know, the, the city declared that because the people of Sacramento have the right to know who these lobbyists are, who are they trying to influence city government decision and the means to advance their interests. Also the why for full disclosure of the identity and the people that the lobbyists represent. Now these three bullets are quotes that come directly from the lobbying ordinance. We're not coming up with a new mission, but more about revisiting to make sure these ordinances still work. So I'm gonna pass it over to Commissioner Gomez, who will start the next slide. Sounds good. And since we didn't do intros at the top, maybe when folks jump into their slides, you can just let us know who you are, because um, not I don't think everybody knows everybody on the ad hoc committee. Um, all right, so you know, just to build off of Commissioner Ng's point, over the last 19 years, technology prevalence of money in politics and our cities changed dramatically, but the lobbying ordinance has never been amended, um, and so you know, the majority of what we did was take a look at neighboring jurisdictions and uh, just assess best practice. So, you know, the, the goal was to bring Sacramento kind of back up to par with neighboring jurisdictions. Um, the California Common Cause League of Women Voters of Sacramento had requested a review of the lobbying ordinance and this ad hoc committee, um, which had a, a bit of a stop and start with COVID, um, but they, we did meet uh, three times to work on and produce these recommendations. I have the full PowerPoint on, so I can't see um, who we have tagged to the next slide. Oh, that's me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
So our recommendation is to update the ordinance so Sacramento is on peer, on par with peer jurisdictions. And just to highlight some of those, uh, we looked at San Jose, San Diego, LA, Long Beach, Oakland, and San Francisco. So we'll talk a little further about that. And we have some folks that are really deep into that work that can answer uh, more specifics around each of our recommendations. Good evening, I'm Charlene Jones. I'm a member of the League of Women Voters of Sacramento County. I think most of you know who I am, so I wanted to introduce myself. And uh, first and foremost, I wanted to thank you for the opportunity to assist Commissioners Gomez and Eve with this review and the formulation of the recommendations that update our current lobbying ordinance. Um, as as uh, Commissioner Ying mentioned, no, nothing presented tonight um, is any sweeping change to city code simply updates and enhances to bring us more in line with some like municipalities in the state that was mentioned. So we, I wanted to make sure. Also, um, Paula Lee from the league was involved in assisting with this, but she could not participate tonight. And I'm thanking uh, you all on her behalf, as well as on Nicholas, who will be um, speaking um, very shortly. I'm, we're, we will be reviewing or summarizing five recommendations and then I hope if it's acceptable to you, Chairman Underwood, that we can, uh, if anyone has questions, they can be fielded. Is that, would that work? Yes, that's great. Okay, okay. Um, I, um, uh, the, the very first recommendation one here asks that the thresholds or the number of hours that condition, condition registration as an in-house lobbyist be reduced. Currently, one would have to spend 100 or more in-house lobbying hours in City Hall over a six-month period. That's equivalent to two and a half weeks lobbying full-time or nearly, nearly an estimated three-quarters of an hour for every business day in a three-month period. So we recommend that we're lowering this to a 15-hour per quarter uh, threshold. And as noted, um, thresholds are lower in Long Beach. Uh, you can see this on the slide. Los Angeles and San Jose, San Francisco, San Diego, and Oakland use even stricter, stricter number of contacts to trigger lobbying registration for in-house lobbying. Um, next slide, Commissioner Gomez. Thank you. There we go. And so in addition, under the first recommendation, our current contract lobbying threshold um, indicates that the uh, amount uh, is that would trigger registration as a contract lobbyist would be $3,200 per quarter. We are recommending that the threshold be lowered to $1,500. Um, this recommendation makes us equal to Long Beach uh, in contract lobbying registration thresholds. And our recommended change actually is still higher than most uh, can when compared with other cities. Okay, uh, Nicholas, here we go. Thank you, commissioners, for having me, and thank you also to Commissioner Gomez and Commissioner Ng for uh, doing the ad hoc committee and getting to work with you on it. So uh, Charlene was just talking to you in recommendation one about the fact that a lot of lobbying activity simply passes under the radar because it doesn't trigger the city's thresholds for having to report and pointing out how those thresholds are far higher than peer jurisdictions and recommending essentially that, that those thresholds be set more in line with other jurisdictions so we know more who's doing lobbying. 
The second recommendation goes to what's actually in those reports. So once you hit the trigger of having to register, you then have to file reports. Um, but Sacramento's requirements are pretty modest compared to other jurisdictions and compared to the state. Primarily in Sacramento, you just have to indicate your client and what the action is that you're lobbying on and not too much else. Um, you do have to indicate some contracts to city officials and if the lobbyist asks the client to give a campaign contribution, so a contribution at the behest of the lobbyist, that would have to be reported to, but that's about it. And I think one of the problems with this, or, or an opportunity at least to get closer to other jurisdictions, is to think about what matters to people in terms of understanding what lobbying is going on. And one of the most important things is the amount of money that's being spent on lobbying. So someone that spends $5,000 lobbying uh, in a quarter or in a year, that's a level of lobbying that should be disclosed and people should understand it. But that's vastly different than someone spending, say, $100,000 lobbying city officials. And so one of the key recommendations that we'd have is these reports really should indicate how much money is being spent on lobbying so that the public and the media can know that and have a sense of where is, uh, where is the strongest play in terms of lobbying dollars to try and influence city policy. The second thing these reports disclose in other jurisdictions that we think should be disclosed here is other ways that interest groups seek to uh, influence or to get themselves closer to elected officials. And so one of those ways is campaign contributions. Our current reports require campaign contributions to be disclosed, but only if they're at the behest of the lobbyist. So if the lobbyist didn't literally say, you've got to donate this, this money to their mm. client, then it won't be reported, which is different than the state, for example. The state just says, if your client donates money, uh, you should put that in your report so that people can see how much money that the client donated and campaign contributions. But there are other things, too, that are, are disclosed in other, uh, other jurisdictions that would be really important. Gifts is one of the prime ones that comes to mind. When you give a gift to an elected official, that should really be disclosed in these reports. And another thing would be behested payments. That's when someone requests that a, um, uh, an entity give a, a charitable donation. When an elected official requests that a charity give a charitable donation that's called a behested payment, it has to be reported under current law, as do gifts. But these are all reported on different timelines and in different places. And part of the point of these lobbying reports is to bring all that information to one spot so that the public and the media can easily understand what exactly people who are trying to influence city policy are doing in the way the ways that they go about that. So that's our recommendation here is to put that all in these one reports that's in one place. And we can now go to the next slide. Our third recommendation relates to how the public finds this information. And so I wanna really credit the city clerk's office. Mm -hmm. Up until recently, it was very difficult to find these lobbying reports. If you were to search for them, they were in the, I believe the public data portal, but very difficult to find them, the public, probably wouldn't have known to look there. And even if they did, they were difficult to pull off, pull up. Uh, the city's now implemented an actual lobbying portal, which is linked at the bottom of the lobbyist page. So it's much more convenient for the public to find. And this is just lobbying reports. So it's, it's much better. Uh, we think here there's still some room for improvement though. And so if the system is ever upgraded, uh, some things to, that we think could make this more usable uh, database would be to, to allow basically more search fields. The current way it works is that you can search by the lobbying firm, but if what you're interested in is a client, so you want to know is company XYZ spending in 
on lobbying or you, you're aware that company XYZ has hired lobbyists and you want to find out more about that, you can't look up company XYZ. You've got to look up the lobbying firm uh, that was employed by company XYZ. So we think one of those changes is you should be able to look up by the actual, what's called the lobbyist employer. So the person who's hiring the lobbyist to do the lobbying. The other thing is while they do have to disclose what items they're lobbying on, there's no way to search for that. So we think too, if you know your interest is, I'm interested in how the general plan is being revised, or I'm interested in this particular contract or this ordinance, there should be a way to search by that particular item to find everyone who's lobbying on that item as a means of transparency. And finally, at this point, as we talked about, these lobbying reports don't include how much money is being spent on lobbying, and we recommend that they do. And if they did, we think you should be able to sort by the amount of money being spent lobbying. So that way you could say, you know, I'm most interested in finding out who's spending more than $10,000 in a year lobbying. And you can separate kind of the big fish from the small fish if we had a system that allowed that type of sorting. Next slide. And I'll hand it back to Charlene. Thank you. Well, that was a mouthful, Nicholas. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, there is a California gift limit currently to all public officials of about $500, which could be a little bit confusing. In this recommendation, we speak only about a gift limit specific to lobbyists and suggest that the suggest that our city code follows state law applicable to state elected officials, which only allows gifts of less than $10 a month. We also recommend in view of the risk of undue influence that lobbyists and lobbying firms not contribute directly to campaigns of elected, elected officials they lobby. <clears throat> the city currently imposes no upper limit on the amount registered lobbyists can gift elected officials. Um, and many other, or, many other um, ordinances or municipalities go a little bit further as, as mentioned in the slide. San Francisco prohibits lobbyists from giving any gifts of any value and, giving, uh, and prohibits any giving of campaign contributions or bundling campaign contributions. So that is the fourth recommendation. And then the next, thank you. And that's Nicholas. And then this last recommendation is really just a cleanup recommendation. So the reason why this, uh, these set of recommendations are before you today is that part of the ethics commission's charge, one of the identified ordinances that you guys enforce is the lobbying ordinance and you have purview to give recommendations on the ordinances that you enforce. One of the issues though is that the ethics commission's code when it talks about what individuals you can enforce against, what individuals you can find, it doesn't actually list lobbyists or lobbyist employers. Um, and this was as the person, one of the people who was involved in this, I'll at least share from my perspective, this was merely a drafting error. The only people that the lobbying ordinance uh, mandates to do anything is lobbyists and lobbyist employers. So they're the only people that the lobbying ordinance can be enforced against. Mm -hmm. So it simply wouldn't make sense to give you the enforcement authority of the lobbying ordinance, but not give you the power to enforce against the only person that the ordinance can be enforced against. So the recommendation here is just to do a simple cleanup and amend that section where it says who you have the authority to enforce against to include lobbyists and lobbyist employers. And I think that's kind of the summary of our recommendations and I'll hand it over. Mm -hmm. I'm muted. Um, so yeah, just to, to sum up some of those next steps, 
Um, as an ad hoc committee, we urge the commission to consider adopting recommendations of the ad hoc working committee. So outlined our recommendations and then to adopt and submit our draft letter um, to the city council. And Commissioner Ng, did you wanna circle out the presentation there with our final? Oh, of course. Yes, thank you. So the ad hoc committee respectfully urge the city council refers our recommendations to its law and legislation committee for review and request the committee bring forward draft ordinance language for the council to consider and adopt. Um, you have anything to add, uh, Charlene and Nick? Um, I don't at this point, Commissioner, thank you. Yes, what about Nick? I'll just add as kind of a, a quick recap, you know, lobbying ordinances and, and the regulation of lobbying uh, has been around for quite some time. When you look at fear of interest groups controlling government, that's a tale almost as old as time. And when you look at, say, the Political Reform Act in the wake of Watergate, that's when we put in place all our protections uh, for lobbying and lobbying disclosures at the state level. But the way that these ordinances have have utility is that you need to continue to update them. So the fact that our ordinance is 20 years old, but hopefully this presentation is made clear, is there's a lot better that we can do in terms of making sure that people who are actually lobbying are registering and reporting, that the reports provide useful information for the public and for the media to use, that this information is easy for the public to find so that they can actually use it. And finally, that there are some activities uh, that maybe pose such a risk of appearing to create bias in favor of what the lobbyist is trying to do, that they should be restricted as the state has done in, in other levels. So I think we're building off of the existing great framework that the city has, but just adding some of those additional kind of bells and whistles to make it work uh, better and more effectively for the modern era that we're in. Uh, and with that, the last thing I'd just say is in the agenda, you of course saw the letter that uh, the ad hoc committee drafted and the recommendation is in adopting that letter, uh, that would come from the full commission and not from the ad hoc committee. Well, thank you. So Liz, uh, Commissioner Gomez, will you please go to the last slide? Sure. <clears throat> well, thank you, Commissioner, for your attention to these matters of our jurisdiction. So we open up the questions at this point. Okay, first I'm gonna ask Madam Clerk if there are <clears throat> any members of the public other than those on the committee who wish to speak on this item? Chair, I have no hands raised to make public comment on this item. Okay. So are there any, oh, is there another slide? Yes, the next step slide. Yeah, just pulling back up the next steps. Oh. <clears throat> All right, so are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Chair, I have a question and a comment. I'll start with the comment. Um, I will first say, you know, these are great. I really appreciate the presentation. Um, it made it very clear, um, you know, what the recommendations are and some of the um, compelling reasons why and the benefit to the public in changing these. Um, my comment is, you know, with the letter, I would like to see some of the compelling interest and the benefits of the community articulated in the letter. I, you know, there were some comments that um, for particularly recommendations one, two, and four that, you know, really highlighted 
you know, what, what the value is beyond just comparing with this to what the state and other cities are doing. And I think, you know, that can give it even more of an emphasis um, to have the, um, you know, have the city council, you know, really review it. And instead of just saying, yes, we want to come up to speed, they would want to say, yes, we want to come up to speed and it's benefiting, you know, all of our constituents and whatnot. So that's the comment. Um, my question is more, um, I'll try to articulate it still, you know, coming in my head as I'm going to um, say it. Uh, knowing sort of what uh, was mentioned or with the consent calendar when we were taught when when the chair was talking about our past reports, is there anything within this process that we can really beyond just sending the letter and requesting that it's sent to the the long legislative uh, legislation committee is there any other steps we can take to ensure that it is being you know read and given you know the type of um, attention that we were, were hoping it will be given um so i'm not sure if that would be something that uh, the presenters could speak on or something that that uh, commission staff could speak on as far as additional next steps to really highlight this in front of the city council Okay, well, uh, wait, 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 before we do anything else, can we take this slide off so that we can see each other? Great, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, whoever was about to say something. Yeah, I was, yeah, this is just me, uh, Commissioner Ng, and really, thank you, Commissioner Adams. That's my next step. Now, after our presentation, after we open up for questions, and then we're going to direct the questions to Mindy in just a short while. So thank you for the, thank you for leading me to that. My understanding, I'm sorry. My understanding is that um, we're not supposed to vote on this today. Is that correct? Um, that we're just supposed to receive the report of the ad hoc committee or Madam Clerk, um, is is this for voting on or just for receiving it? This is not a voted item. This is a receive and file from the subcommittee. So um, yeah. I'm listening to the direction of the commissioners, and so we can talk about next steps um, once I've heard those comments. Yeah. So that's great. So uh, well, thank you. If there's no questions, so we're just going to direct our questions to Mindy then. And uh, we ask you to walk us through this process. It's what, what our next step is. Or how, how will these recommendations go to the council gender? Or how we can get to present this to the city council? And how does it go to the law and election committee? May we, so we need your help here. We appreciate that. And before you answer this questions, I just want to thank Commissioner Gomez, Charlene, and Nate, and Paula uh, for your collaborative effort. And it has really been great. And I myself learned a lot you know, by just looking at the audience. And it's a very, very important piece that uh, we appreciate your, your, <laughs> your urging us to look at. Commissioner Velasquez. Um, I just wanted to, to say, I don't know how this is going to work out um, in the conversation about the next steps and and what to do um, in with the clerk Mindy's uh, copy's help. Um, I'm I'm just a simple gal. I don't really know a lot about politics and especially the lobbyist field. 
very clueless. Um, so I don't know how this would work, but I, I would need before I could, unless I'm going to be, um, uh, if I, unless I'm going to remove myself from this vote, I, I would need, I'm going to need someone I could talk to about what that all means. The, the, what, what the rules are now as, as in why they were applied and how it affects what it affects and what the proposal would mean. I, I need more information. So Commissioner Velasquez, um, I'm wondering if we can provide some of that information tonight or if you want to like process that in a different way and we need to send out some information because we do yeah. have like folks from Common Cause or and the League of Women Voters here as those experts to be able to like dig into some of the specifics. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't know, um, it, you know, what the, the rules are. I know that there are some rules as far as us sidebarring um, with each other on, on things that we vote on. But yeah, if I can talk to someone that doesn't mind sort of like a, a lobbyist for dummies sort of thing, if somebody <laughs> has, there has the patience with very routine questions um it's like yeah that that would i would i'm gonna need that <laughs> well that's good so i'm not i'm not sure how we should do that because i don't think the two commission oh mr Lindsay is gonna give us an answer oh uh, well uh commissioner velasquez you could for instance you know for instance trying to avoid meeting or even having serial meetings with uh, other commissioners with some of the experts here, for instance, um, have, if you if they would be willing to have a um, separate meeting just okay, to okay. advise you as to, to give you a better understanding of um, some of the things without getting into having communications going back with uh, commission members. Right. Okay. So maybe Charlene or Nick, um, maybe one of those are the, the a League of Women Voters, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that I'm going to need that. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I and I see Nick's hand up. Yeah. Just want to say, Commissioner Velasquez, I'd be more than happy to, to talk to you about it. I do wonder, though, since we are obviously talking with two commissioners already, does that, I presume as long as we don't share what the position of those commissioners is, it's okay, although you know the position of the commissioners because you've got the letter. But I would just love some advice from the city attorney or Mindy on, on what we can how we have that communication with you without creating any well, issues well, for yourself. The, communica the, the communication shouldn't mention anything discussed with, you know, such and such commissioners, other commissioners said this, that, or the other, but just giving understanding as to what the different changes are, that sort of thing. Okay. Not so, communications with the, what other, what was said by other commissioners. Right. Right. How it, all, how it all works. The, the background of a lobbyist and, and the work they do and what it affects, all that kind of general info that someone might already know. And obviously what the commissioners have said tonight in this meeting is now public record, so mm -hmm. there's no problem with referring to that. Mm -hmm. uh, Charlene, <laughs> your hand up. Oh, yes. No, I would just, um, Nicholas asked the question. I was just I wasn't sure about how, how we would respond, but we're happy to provide any information or help we can. So I just, and that provided the clarification. Thank you, as did as did Mr. Lindsay. So I can lower my hand. <laughs> or you lowered the hand. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Ng. 
Yes. Um, I was thinking of in order to help uh, Commissioner Velasquez, you remember the letter that uh, Charlene and Nicholas sent it to us, you know, a while back that give a very detailed explanation of what we're supposed to, you know, or, you know, the reasoning behind this whole review process. So is that any problem with the, you know, with, with the city council and, you know, city clerk to pass this on? Yeah, that would be a good first step because we may have gotten that letter before Commissioner Velasquez was on the commission. In fact, I'm sure we did mm -hmm. at least mm -hmm. once. <laughs> yeah, that's a lengthy letter, but it explains the, you know, explains the reason yeah. why we. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was a helpful letter, Charlene. Uh, yes, I just wanted to, to respond in that um, I think our last letter was sent nearly a year ago now. It was last August, so and we had sent two prior to that. And essentially summarizing and saying that the content very similar. Um, so that, as you suggest, uh, Chair Underwood, it may be a good starting point for Commissioner Velasquez, and then we can go from there. Um, and I think you, I think uh, the city clerk should have copies of, of the letter, all, all of our letters, I would imagine, that we've sent forward. That's accurate. And when the, uh, the ad hoc did reform, I did send those to the ad hoc committee members, but I will resend that to Commissioner Velasquez. Those are in the public domain. Thank you. Great. So what, I, what I'm hearing folks are needing is that uh, Commissioner Adams wants uh, the, it updated, like the letter to be updated to, sh to like make sure the community benefit is associated with each section. And then Commissioner Velasquez needs sort of like a one-on-one -on -one around the the lobbying piece of things and then we'll come back to the commission after those two things are updated and review the next steps again is that kind of what yeah go ahead Nick. um so yeah we can we can update the letter and also connect with commissioner velasquez uh whenever is most convenient for her I think you were going to discuss next steps with Minnie, but it seems like one of the next steps could be to have a new letter come back that would be ready for a, a vote and adoption, presuming it meets whatever conditions the commission wants and Commissioner Adams wants. Yeah, because I, I don't understand the commission stuff enough to, I assumed that this was something we could vote on today, but I was incorrect. <laughs> uh, so I guess I need to be more clear. So yes, the would it would be great to have it at like tagged as a item that we can vote on um whenever we come back and just to clarify even when if we vote to approve the letter that just means the letter goes to the city council it doesn't yeah. mean anything actually happens sure 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 then there's then there's the discussion about <laughs> how to make the thing actually happen yeah <laughs> for sure but I think that goes back to somebody else's question and um, Mindy and Gary and anybody else from the city clerk's team, uh, are there additional ways to elevate something? Cause I'm sure there's just a million things that go to the city council. I understand we can like meet with council members as an ad hoc and explain what we're sending and all that good stuff. But is there any other venues that are uh, possible or appropriate to lift this up into the city council? 
Yes, I'd be happy to, to cover what that process looks like. So I am working with the city council and the last item on your agenda is an update um, in the same regards. We're working on um, our boards and commissions program in general. We just passed an ordinance that updates chapter 2.4, which is boards and commissions generally. Next step in that process is for council to update their council rules of procedure. And in addressing those council rules of procedure, we hope to look at the annual reporting process for all boards, commissions, and committees. And so, um, of course, that is up for a vote of the council. Um, and so I don't have an exact answer on that, but um, we, the mayor about a year ago asked the PNPE, which is Personnel and Public Employees Committee, to review all boards, commissions, and committees. And, and part of that is really to talk about an annual review process. And so the recommendations or direction I've gotten from PNPE is to bring all annual reports to PNPE for vetting, mm -hmm. for discussion, to talk about accomplishments from previous years, talk about work plan for upcoming years, any, any recommendation that the commission has. PNPE will then um, work with the commissions, modify that report if needed, and then forward that to the full council for approval and any action on any recommendations. And I can also add for commission members, you can always, if you so choose, appear uh, at the council member, uh, the council meeting at which the uh, report or letter is going to be received and filed by the city council and request to make public comments about that particular item and emphasize whichever particular recommendations um, you think are particularly um, important in your eyes and maybe should be given particular consideration for um, further action by the city council. And that would be limited to two minutes? With uh, the time. Yeah. Yes, it would, it would be. So, and the purpose of our, an yeah, and, and if I may, the purpose of our annual reporting is so that you would not have to do that, so that you would have an audience with PNPE and their recommendation would move that forward. Um, or it might not move it forward. So that would be something that you would be able right. to have that conversation at PNPE. And as a commission, your recommendation would be moved to that body. And then they will have direction, does it go to law and legislation, which an ordinance would need to go there um, before it goes to the full council. But um, I, looking to have PNPE, and of course this is not, this has not been decided by council yet. Um, so it may, might change drastically. But, okay. Commissioner Gomez. Yeah, so um, I don't know enough about PMPE, but it feels like it's adding another step into another body that could say no <laughs> to something <laughs> or like be just like nitpick things uh, and then keep it from going to the council. So I could be totally not understanding how that helps this process, uh, but when you first described it, that's how I felt. <laughs> so is there something, uh, wh what's the value of that? Again, this is, a, this is a policy question and it has not been vetted by council. Okay. So I'm just sharing that there is a process and they, the council is discussing at this point um, how to have an annual review process for all commissions that moves them forward. Okay. Okay, Nick, you have, oh, and Charlene, I don't know who was first. Yeah, I, I just thought it might be helpful and I wonder if, if Minnie has a sense of, if for example, at your next meeting, you decided to approve this, which would be in 
believe late October. What would be the approximate timeline for that to go from that meeting either to PPE or to the full council, just so this body and the public has a sense of what the next steps would take for it to potentially come to a draft ordinance if the council is interested? Um, if I would probably sev say several months. If there is a PNPE process, that would be um, step one. Um, all ordinance go to law and legislation. All ordinance need to be reviewed by the attorneys. If there's budget implications, it would need to be reviewed there. Um, and then it would go to law and legislation. Then it goes to council. Process um, going to council is we pass for publication. Um, and then two weeks later, it would go to the council. So I would say several months is, is a good estimate. Mindy, if, if you don't mind, would it just go on the log for PPE and the log for law and ledge, or would it? It's like it would show up like a, within a month, or how does that process? Again, work? I'm I'm collaborating with the council as we speak about what that annual process is for commissions to report to council, whether it's through PNPE or elsewhere. So I I don't have an answer on that. Okay, Charlene, um, and and maybe I missed this. Um, uh, Madam Clerk, um, so um, you reference annual reports, but should a recommendation or an issue or concern come from a commission at, um, in like this that isn't necessarily included in an annual report, which I know there are timelines for for each commission. Um, now that all, so what you're describing had you mentioned annual reports, but this is outside an annual report, but it would still be engaged and likely be engaged in this same process if it's passed by the council. Is that right? Yes, it could be a similar process. I'm just trying to share that right now I'm working with sure. council on an annual reporting process. And so it would likely move through that process. So similar process to an annual Correct. report. Okay, thank you. Right. But, we, but we wouldn't have to make this part of our annual report. We could submit it separately, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Does anybody have anything else? Commissioner Gomez. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I know that it, should there be uh, like a, a lack of agenda items, sometimes we don't have a meeting. Um, and I just am wondering uh, ad hoc committee, if we feel like we can uh, be ready for the next ethics commission meeting for those two action items of updating the letter and then meeting with commissioner Velasquez. Like is, is that the intention to come back to the like late October meeting? I, I don't know who can answer that. I think it would be yeah. good. I'm, I'm talking to Nick and Charlene and commissioner Ng. Speaking just for myself, I think I could do that timeline if that's what you guys want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we'll certainly try our, our best. Okay. So I just want to like notify Mindy yeah. and yeah. just because we were, sure. we're shooting for that mm -hmm. late October meeting. Um, and is there any timelines that we need to be aware of, Mindy, uh, with that goal in mind? Uh, or sorry, Commissioner Clerk, uh, Clerk of the <laughs> Madam Clerk. Um, <laughs> I think we can just tell her that we want it on the agenda. So if you want something on the agenda, I do need to publish that with the agenda. Your agenda for the meeting on the 24th um, would be published um, on the 19th. So I would need something no later 
then um, Friday the 14th of October um, so that my attorney has time to review it and it moves to the system to publish it on time. I beat it. Okay, Commissioner Velasquez. Is that PowerPoint, is, are those slides uh, posted somewhere or can I get, um, can someone send that to me so I, you know, that they'll be part of my homework to review again? And they are part of the agenda package. Okay, I missed it. And they should be part of the recording of this meeting, I would assume. Mm -hmm. This whole Velasquez, do you know how to find the agenda? Because I had a hard time finding it at first because we don't get the calendar invites and then you have to like go to Granicus. Just wondering if you know how to get there or if you need that link. It's hard enough for me to find the Zoom app on my laptop. Yeah. But yes, I'm sure I can find it. I've, I've been there before, but if not, um, um, I, I guess I'll just scream for help. I don't know. Yeah, just write email to Mindy. Yeah, the link should have been on the email that you received that stated that the agenda was posted. And mm -hmm. I, I can resend that if need be. And then there will also be a recording of this meeting that you could watch if, if that was helpful. But I'm not totally sure how to find that. It's on the city website. Yeah, it's, it's that's a, website. Little, a little easier to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, um, Chair, I'm, tomorrow I, I can, yeah. I'll be happy to send the links to upcoming meetings and archived meetings to all of the commissioners. Okay, that's a good idea. So is there anything else we need to cover on item four or should we move on? Hearing nothing, I will move to item five, which is review of Sacramento Ethics Commission procedures. Oh wait, Charlene. No, wait. I was just saying goodbye, thank you. Oh. <laughs> just waving. Thank, thank you. you, Charlene. Thank you, you bet. All right. All right, review of Sacramento Ethics Commission procedures. Is there a staff presentation on this, Mindy? I can make brief comments. So I have incorporated the changes that the commission has recommended. Um, in highlighting what those changes are, um, you brought to our attention that if there's a conflict with the independent evaluator, we need a conf an, an additional attorney. So um, that has been updated in your procedures and I have started the conversations with alternatives in case there was a conflict with our current independent evaluator. We've also addressed if there is a contact uh, conflict with the city clerk and how we address that. Um, we have in the procedures updated it to allow anonymous complaints. Um, we made some um, editorial um, edits. So in, for example, independent, an evaluator is now called an independent evaluator throughout the document. And we ensure that all, um, all text is gender neutral language. Yeah, to me, it looked like the biggest substantive change was about the anonymous complaints. So I was, That's I correct. thought you did a good job of, of fixing that to be the way we said we wanted it. Um, 
So are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Chair, I show no hands raised to make public comment on this item. Okay. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? No? Okay. Um, so is there a motion for to approve this um, procedures document? I'll move to uh, approve it. Okay, moved by Commissioner Adams. Is there a second? A second. And a second by Commissioner Ng. Um, okay, so will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Thank you, Commissioner Adams? Yes. Commissioner Gomez? Yes. Commissioner Ng? Yes. Commissioner Velasquez? Yes. Yeah. And Chair Underwood? Yes. Yay, the motion passed. And that was the fastest we've ever gotten through an item. <laughs> <laughs> okay, item number six, update on chapter 2.40 of the Sacramento City Code relating to boards and commissions generally. So Mindy, do you have a staff presentation? I do, so good evening. I'm Mindy Cuppy, your city clerk. This is also my agenda item. And so for background, last June, the mayor asked that the PNPE committee, that's Personnel and Public Employees Committee, establish oversight, facilitation, and staffing responsibility for city commissions. So over the past few months, we've put some structural updates in place and continue to move forward with steps to uplift commission voices. The first is the foundational municipal code that governs boards and commissions in general. And I feel it's important that you understand the underlying code that governs your advisory body so I will take you through at a high level a brief update of, of that code. Okay, so on August 30th, the City Council approved an update to the City Code Chapter 2.40 Boards and Commissions generally. That is the foundational law governing city boards, commissions, and committees who are appointed by the mayor or the City Council. And it is the intent of the City Council in enacting this chapter to assure that appointees for seats on boards and commissions possess those high ethical standards required of them to properly fulfill their functions, to disclose any conflicts of interest that would render applicants and appointees ineffective in the performance of their duties, or would jeopardize the interests of the city, to protect applicants and appointees against untrue allegations with respect to their background integrity, and to establish a uniform administrative framework for all city boards and commissions. Okay, so as you know, commissioners are appointed from within the community and are expected to represent the city as a whole while promoting community and stakeholder input and taking into account all viewpoints. Serving as a commissioner provides a way for residents who have special experience or interest to participate in the city's decision-making process by inviting city staff and the city council on numerous issues. So the specific role of most commissions is to review and make recommendations, recommendations to the city council on matters within its scope of authority and responsibility. And this is most commonly achieved by the commission at a publicly noticed meeting serving as a venue for public input and participation. And as you know, the ethics commission also is a complaint review body. So as we continue to uplift commissions to the same expectations, standards, and processes as the city council, I'm really excited to be creating what I feel will be a model commissions program that other cities will emulate. We will be a model of transparency and inclusiveness. Our commissions will be inclusive with a diversity of voices, be transparent. All activities will be open to the public. We'll encourage public participation. 
We will follow consistent standards such as the Sacramento Sunshine Ordinance and Brown Act. We'll have a clear legislative history of the important work that commissions do and have a clear and consistent process for the commissions to communicate with and advise the council. So I'm gonna step through the provisions of the code at a very high level. Um, and this is now a replacement for, of course, reading the code, which is part of your staff report. So appointment procedures. So all applicants must submit an application and per, um, persons are recommended for appointment by the PNPE committee or by the mayor or by a council member. For your commission, um, those appointments come through PNPE. So of course, uh, the mayor then appoints with concurrence of the full council and then vacancies follow the same um, provisions as the appointment procedure. Okay. Failure to attend meetings. So of course we can't conduct a meeting without a quorum of the commission. So we outline in this code the, um, the provisions of that. So for instance, three consecutive unexcused absence from a regular meeting or absence from one fourth of all meetings in a 12 month period is deemed a good cause for removal. So terms, so uh, we've created, made consistency across commissions um, for terms. So terms are four years each and members may serve two terms. Limited um, consecutive terms, again, it's two terms. There are a couple of exceptions, but um, not with this commission. And I believe it's consistent with what your current um, code says. So removal of members. So this outlines clearly um, requirements that are um, required of each commissioner and what is deemed a good cause for removal from office. For instance, um, subscribing to an oath of office, filing your economic statement of economic interest form, completing your trainings online, um, or violating any ordinance or resolution of the city. So meetings generally. <coughs> so meetings, of course, must be um, noticed. Each meeting shall be conducted in accordance with the council rules of procedure. And if a quorum is not established within 15 minutes of the meeting's notice start time, the meeting will be canceled. So, and of course, if there's deemed business to do, we can, can, we can hold special meetings as necessary. So ad hoc committees and subcommittees. This is one I've shared with you uh, in the past. So city boards and commissions may not establish ad hoc committees. City boards and commissions may establish subcommittees upon approval of the full council. Um, and then again, before consideration by the city council, the board or commission must make a request um, to establish a subcommittee to the PNPE committee. So chairperson, so each chair, um, city board and commission shall elect one of its members to serve as chair and another as vice chair, and those rotate annually typically. And so no um, chairperson can serve for more than two years. Staffing and review, this code outlines clearly that the city clerk shall act as your secretary and the city attorney shall um, serve as your legal counsel. And it requires that at least every five years I report on the status of boards and commissions to the full council. So in summary, I think we've done a lot of work to uplift commission voices. However, I still believe we have much to do. So over the past year, we've ensured that all commissions follow the same high standards as the city council for agendas, meeting facilitation, and legislative history. They mirror city council standards and processes. We have created a recruitment video, a commissioner handbook, a commissioner orientation and onboarding process, and a meeting facilitation guide for chairpersons. But like I said, there's still much to do in order to continue to uplift commission's voices to ensure inclusivity. We will bring an update of the council rules of procedure to the city council, which would address, among other things, a standard and consistent process for commissions to report to council, including accomplishments, recommendations, and upcoming year objectives. 
We're working to develop an online, an ongoing training program for commissions and department staff, and we're looking to expand recruitment for all commissions with a focus on diversity and, and inclusion. Um, so I would like to show you a, a brief video highlighting our commissions program, and then I will be available for questions regarding this code. Serving as a council appointee to a City of Sacramento commission is both an awesome opportunity and a significant commitment. The following information will give new appointees and potential applicants an overview of the position's roles and responsibilities. The City of Sacramento utilizes more than 25 commissions to promote community and stakeholder input. Most serve in an advisory capacity to the City Council. However, a few are quasi-judicial, complaint reviews, or appeals boards. Serving as a council appointee provides a way for residents who have special experience or interests to participate in the city's decision-making process by advising city staff and the city council on a wide variety of issues. As an appointee, you interact creatively as a link between the city council and citizens of all ages, interests, and backgrounds. You represent the city as a whole and will help facilitate active and inclusive input, ensuring that all voices are incorporated into any recommendation made to the city council. To effectively participate, appointees often have lengthy reports to review in order to prepare effectively for public meetings. Attendance at meetings is essential. The Ralph M. Brown Act, California's Open Meeting Law, and the City of Sacramento's Sunshine Ordinance have requirements to ensure that all city councils, boards, commissions, and committees are inclusive, transparent, and encourage public participation. Agendas must be posted to clearly communicate what the commission will be discussing and how the public can be part of that conversation. The order and conduct of business of council-established commissions are also governed by the City of Sacramento Council Rules of Procedure. It is critical that appointees only discuss items under their purview at an open and public meeting and avoid discussions outside the public forum. A meeting could be any gathering of a majority of appointees to discuss items under their jurisdiction, and discussions in non-public formats, such as email, phone, or text message, must be avoided. To ensure transparency and a high level of service, appointees have educational requirements such as ethics and sexual harassment training. Appointees may also have reporting requirements such as filing of a statement of economic interests FPPC Form 700 upon appointment, annually, and when leaving. We appreciate your interest in the City of Sacramento Board, Commission, and Committee Program, an opportunity for citizens to ensure transparent, open, and inclusive participation in the City's decision-making process. Please visit our website for appointee resources and information on applying to serve. Commissions.CityofSacramento.org Clerk at cityofsacramento.org, 916-808-7200. So, Chair, I'm available for any questions. Okay, does anybody have any questions? Com uh, Commissioner Gomez. Um, yeah, so, well, I just want to say that the commission process in the city is really good. Um, 
you know, I think I've mentioned before, I also, as a staff member, work for the county commissions, and I found that, like, the, the modernization of Hill's process, having things accessible online has been really, really strong um, and something that I look at when I'm considering the county processes. Um, I just wanted to lift up two things that uh, I know have already been discussed at length in the PMPE and with the council, which is the ad hoc committees and subcommittees. I just wanna note that I'm really disappointed in the decision around the mm -hmm. ad hoc committees. Uh, I understand mm -hmm. that there's still the opportunity to form smaller groups within commissions, but I find that the decision that was made is less transparent <laughs> and aligned with the council values that are stated than uh, what was previously had, which is a formal ad hoc committee that the that commissions can move forward on quickly um, to address key needs that arise within that commission. And then I also uh, just have some concerns around the uh, term for the chairperson and vice chairperson for no more than two calendar years. Um, oftentimes, commission members are working full time and the additional responsibility of a chair or vice chair position is not something that everybody is able to take on. And so should there be an individual that is able to take that responsibility, um, and there are not others who are looking to filter into that role, then I think it's great that we're able to support people to continue to hold that leadership space. Um, so just wanted to note my uh, like concerns about those two areas and also uplift a lot of the great things that are a part of uh, the boards and commissions and, and everything that's been built. Thank you for your comments. Anybody else? Uh, Commissioner Adams. You may have mentioned this earlier, Mindy, but when is the city council reviewing this? Um, it was passed on August 30th. So it's a done deal. A done deal, okay. Mr. Lindsay. Uh, yes, I, one thing I wanted to add about the ad hoc is given that the um, ordinance was passed August 30th, that means that it becomes effective legally 30 days later on September 29th, which would mean that the lobbying, registration, and reporting ad hoc committee would end by operation of law on as soon as it became September 29th, 2022. So as far as outstanding business, maybe changing the letter, so on and so forth, that would need to happen between now and Wednesday. Actually, and Mr. Lindsay, if I may, council direction was that ad hocs continue till the end of the year but they oh, will need okay. to cease at the end of 2022. Okay. Oh, good, that gives us a little breathing room. <laughs> um, Commissioner Velasquez. I'm on mute, oh, there it is. Uh, so question is, as far as um, functionality, we have this ad hoc for the lobbyists, which was a group of commissioners to review and reconsider rules um, versus after the end of the year, then into next year, what what I, I'm a little lost between the difference. So I know that uh, Commissioner Gomez said something about transparency. So we could put together a subgroup to review something 
but that would have to be submitted to somebody else if we wouldn't just uh, submit it directly to council what's the difference so right now um there the count the commission has authority to create an ad hoc which is less than a quorum of the commission um, to investigate something so that goes away um, with this ordinance so uh, I am working with the city attorney's office to present to the commission, to all of our commissions, about Brown Act um, and how that can be navigated. So for instance, Brown Act can say, well, states that two, two commissioners can get together and work on a project, um, but that it's not a formal ad hoc of the commission. A subcommittee, um, if, you, if you chose to do a subcommittee to work on a certain project, you would need approval from the full council, and that would be a Brown Act body. So those meetings would have agendas, they would be video streamed, and minutes would be taken. Um, so that's a whole, a whole different animal. But right. basically you can still basically meet and call not call it a subcommittee. So Commissioner Ng and I could meet, bring other community members in, not call it a subcommittee, and continue to work on the items, which is why I highlighted the lack of transparency and how I'm not clear on how this like what what this does, like how this is helpful in the end um, because the city does I correct me if I'm wrong Mindy but city does not have the amount of staff that would allow us to quickly move on creating uh, any any type of meeting needed to uh, meet Brown Act requirements because that is a significant standard to meet so isn't the only other option that we get together informally. I am working with the city attorney's office to bring you a presentation on Brown Act so that everyone fully understands it. Um, but if, you ha if there was a need to create a special meeting, we would figure a time. If the commission has business to conduct, uh, we can call a special meeting. But it's also true that two commissioners can get together and talk about things and not be in violation of the Brown Act. So they could do that informally, it seems like to me. And then, um, you know, bring whatever they talked about to the commission. Could they not? Uh, yes, they could. they could. Actually, yes, they could. You still wouldn't have a product violation. You'd still need to, they might bring it up in comments after the agendized items, though, because they. They either need something to be agendized to bring it up, which would seem to be an ad hoc committee that they can't have, so I doubt it would be that way. Uh, but uh, maybe comment after the agendized items. But I, I suspect based off of what Mindy has said that eventually that will be more formalized, and I don't know what in the future policies might be changed to tighten things up in those regards. Commissioner Ng. Yes, um, thank you. I, I have I have um, two questions. Number one is just at the uh, ad hoc committee. So, as in as in the case of the lobbying ordinance, okay, Commissioner Gomez and I not subject at okay without the help of those community groups like the uh, women's uh, legal. Women's Voters and, and Common Cause or STAN, you know, we would not be able to achieve this as quickly as we could. You know, so that's one. And another question is for, for Mindy, 
And uh, in your presentation, you mentioned something about a handbook. And so is it available online or do we have a copy or? Uh, yes, it, it is available online. Um, I, I thought that I'd emailed it to everybody, but I will include that in my email to you when I share where upcoming meetings and archive meetings are, are contained online. And, and Council, uh, Vice Chair Ng, I, I think um, to your first concern, I think uh, given what uh, um, City Clerk Cuppy has mentioned as far as the City Council having ad hoc committees play out through the rest of the end of the year that I'm assuming that that's time for things to be worked out as far as um, how the how the process is actually going to work come say January 1st 2023 and uh, that doesn't mean for instance that just because ad hoc committees are going to apparently expire at the end of this year that you couldn't you know based off of what's in the ordinance um, have a subcommittee or apply to have a subcommittee or the commission apply to have a subcommittee on that same topic moving forward. Yeah. Well, thank you. But, you know, to your point, your point, say next year we have another project that we're not subject experts. How are we going to pursue it? You can. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, I'm just double checking the, uh, what the ordinance says. Yeah, not just about lobby lobby. Right, but on a different topic. Yeah, on a. You, you could still have two commissioners get together right. and, and talk. And this is a, this right. is a common question yes. that commissions have. And so that's why I'm working with the city attorney's office to really dive deep into the, into the Brown Act so that commissioners are aware of what they can and cannot do. So if there was a project that would not be appropriate for the entire commission, there are ways to meet um, and collaborate. Yeah. What, what, what I'm hearing is this is going to then it seems to be the intent, you know, there's multiple cooks, I'm assuming across the city in this, that this time between now and the end of the year is the time to, to work things out before the start of next year. Okay, anybody, I agree though, but I'm, I'm disappointed that, that the city council chose to do this. It seems like it makes our life a little bit harder and not necessarily any more transparent. Mm -hmm. um, but what's done is done and we'll figure out how to live with it. I guess in response, Commissioner Gomez, to your other point about chairs and vice chairs it's interesting because we have pretty much followed that since the commission started i remember in fact at the end of our first year i was the one who said that the um the woman who was our chair the first year did a fabulous job and you know she was really great but that i thought that having the same person continue to be chair would create kind of a hierarchy. Whereas, you know, we definitely wanna be in a situation where all five of us are on equal footing. And so um, I nominated somebody else, the person actually who was vice chair at the time to be chair and, and that's what happened. 
for the most part, that that's what we've done, except I guess Emlyn was chair for two years because the second year we mostly didn't meet because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So her second year of her term was only about a three month when we were actually meeting. Anyway, but your, your point about some people might not have the time or interest in being chair is a valid point that we'll have to deal with. Okay, um, does anybody else have any comments on the uh, on Mindy's report or anything related to it? No. And did I ask whether there were um, whether there were any members of the public who wanted to speak on this? Chair, I show no hands raised to make comment on this item. Okay. So this item is just to receive and file. So there's nothing to vote on. So we'll move on to the next item, which is commission comments, ideas, and questions. Maybe we've already made all our comments, but does anybody have anything else they want to comment on or question? No, okay. The last item is public comments for matters not on the agenda. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak? Chair, I show no hands raised to make comment on that. Okay. Well, are we done then? <laughs> I, I think that's the end of the agenda. So if nobody else has anything, we can adjourn the meeting. Last chance. Oh, Commissioner Veloz. <laughs> of course. Um, so I just wanted to follow up, I think, with uh, Clerk uh, Mindy. Um, it, will you be sending me contact information for Charlene and Nick so I can sort of pick their brain about the lobby situation? I'll share your contact information with them. Perfect, thank you. Okay, so anything else? Going, going. All right, I'm gonna adjourn the meeting at 6.50 p.m. <laughs>